in to another edition of the Checkerboard Chat. I am Ryan Schumpert. Joined as always here in segment one by Noah Taylor. We're going to talk a little bit of Tennessee football, a big win on the road last Saturday night at Kentucky. We'll also dip into a little bit of Tennessee basketball as the Vols improved to 2-0 Tuesday night with a win over Murray State. and They prepare for a big battle Saturday against Washington. And then here in segment two, I'll be joined by Ryan Cruz, one of our Lady Vols beat writers, and we'll break down the start to the season for the Lady Vols, including a big win last week, or excuse me, Monday night, over Notre Dame. So opening it up here in Noah, uh, Tennessee, big 17-13 win Saturday. What was your uh, biggest takeaway from the game? I think, I mean, for that first half, or really, let's say the first quarter, um, it, it looked like, you hate to be too overreactionary, but I was thinking, wow, you know, you lose this game this way. They're gonna if, if Bowden runs all over you all night, it's gonna undo a lot of progress that you've had um, the last few weeks. You know, I don't know if it would undo it like permanently, but it would definitely not be yeah. a good look. You know, you're, here you are again, this close to uh, having a chance at a bowl game like they did last year, and then having that game where you just fall apart like they did against Vandy in Missouri last year. Yeah. So for that first quarter, I was like, "There's just, there's, this just isn't good for them." And uh, my biggest takeaway is the fact that, despite that, despite you know the, the Paxton Brooks blocked punt, which was a disaster. Yeah. Uh, Bowden and, and Rose, those guys running all over them at will in that first half, eight up ten minutes in that first quarter. Um, the fact that all that was going against them, Mauer wasn't playing bad necessarily, but they, you know they were struggling to move the ball. Defense was was looking like they'd taken a step back. Despite all of that, to come back and win the football game and then win it at the goal line the way they did, my biggest takeaway is the fact that they're winning games like that now. The, we saw them be dominant, you know, from you know pretty much the whole game against South Carolina, dominant against Mississippi State, get two solid wins there, you know, didn't get caught sleeping against UAB, played well against Alabama. Now they had the type of game where they were actually having to play from behind and then actually finish. So I mean, that that was the most impressive thing I thought. Yeah, and I don't know if I'll. If I'd say Kentucky was the better team Saturday, now I think Kentucky probably outplayed Tennessee a little bit. But for, I mean, the first time in a long time, Tennessee won a game that it probably shouldn't have won. Yeah. And, you know, Tennessee made a lot of bad mistakes too, like the Paxton Brooks play, Ty Chandler's fumble. You know, it sounded like Jeremy Pruitt was proverbial pulling his hair out. Obviously, he doesn't have any hair at halftime. Uh, <laughs> With some of the misreads or just lack of execution the linebackers were showing against the against the read option, but well, like you said, it's it's just a major step for this program to be able to win games like that, let alone games in the SEC. And Kentucky's not a world beater, but Kentucky's going to make a bowl game more than likely. They have a great chance to. And you know, when you look, I don't know where they'll match up with, on Tennessee's list of best wins at the end of the season, but their record's going to be better. In South Carolina's, it's going to be better than Mississippi State's. And to go do it on the road when you have things going against you, which is really impressive. I mean, last year, you look at Tennessee, and the games that they won, they played – they got down 7-0 in that Auburn game, but they played – those Kentucky and Auburn games last year, they played well basically from the beginning of the game. They did not deal with adversity well. They didn't seem to deal with adversity well early this season. You watched them against Florida completely fold after that interception in the end zone that went off Jennings' hands. And – you know, it's it's definitely just a step in the right direction for this program, and I don't know if this is a team taking on the identity of its coach or not, but it was a gritty win, one that I'm I'm not sure Tennessee had in them to win Saturday the way that they did win Saturday. 
moving on a little or keeping it on on the game um the quarterback situation Mauer first half you kind of talked about it a little bit how impressed were you with Garantano and what does he stayed a six man going forward I mean he's pretty clearly been Tennessee's best quarterback the yeah. past few weeks how, how do you think Tennessee will handle that? I've been running this over in my mind because he said, I mean, there was something he said after the game that at halftime he wasn't expecting to go in at all. Um, I think it's a little bit of a testimony, like what I said earlier. Mauer wasn't playing bad. Mauer wasn't making a lot of mistakes. It just, you know, they weren't moving the ball. And, and maybe Pruitt thought, you know, throw something in there. Throw a guy with experience and see what can happen. Obviously it worked out. Obviously, it worked out against uh, South Carolina. It, it worked out against UAB. It worked out, you know, Mississippi State. You know, he came into that game. Do you keep running that system, throwing Mauer out there, seeing what happens, and then throwing Garantano in to, to shake it up? So far, the two-quarterback thing has worked for them outside of that Alabama game. But, uh, you know, I I think maybe you do. I think he's done enough. He's a junior. Um, he's been in the program a long time. He's looking like the quarterback that Jeremy Pruitt and, and Jim Cheney said he was at the beginning yeah. of the year. I think against Missouri next week, I think you throw him out there and see where he can go from there. And, and, and then again, you know, you don't want to – if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know that saying? I mean, I don't know. It's It'd be tough. It'd be tough to decide because he, he's taken that role on so well. I don't know if it's making him play better, but it, it's definitely worked out. I definitely think they have the ability to do so now. Like when they were playing – when Maurer was hurt, if Maurer was still hurt, I'm not sure you can – I would – Go JT Shroud. You know, he, he had some nice plays in that yeah. South Carolina game, but watching him against UAB and, you know, I still question exactly what he brings to the offense and if he's not more of a, I don't want to use the word liability, I feel like that's a little, a little harsh on him, but someone is not going to be able to run off everything they want to do in the offense. They got to handicap a little bit of things. I mean, you watched them in the, I guess that was South Carolina game, they were playing a lot of Jennings at quarterback so they could run Shroud in from the sideline, give him the play from the sideline, kind of going back high school style. But Maurer is a—he's—I don't think he's a great quarterback, and I think Garantano's played better as of late. But he's a capable quarterback, and if you throw him in there for two drives, I think he gives you a chance to go get yeah. points. And as he wasn't great the other night, he missed some throws. Pruitt talked about missing some reads, working the wrong side of the field. He still got him three points, and on a drive that could have been seven points if Trey Smith didn't have a dumb personal yeah. foul penalty that knocked him out. Yeah, yeah. what well, kind of been a problem for Tennessee this year? Penalties like that mm-hmm. knocked him out of realistic scoring scoring situation and get a touchdown there. So I think it's a, definitely a possibility. I don't think it would be a bad decision to go with Maurer, but, you know, I could I could see them just starting Jawan first play at quarterback <laughs> and then putting Garantano in just a little little bit of irony or something. But it's going to be interesting to follow because um, I, I don't really think there's a bad option of, of no. those two. I definitely don't think you wait to get Garantano in until halftime if Maurer's yeah. in there struggling and – that was a tough situation. You know, I've heard some people criticize Pruitt for not going to Garantano quicker. I think that was a tough situation Saturday. The way yeah. Kentucky was running clock, I mean, this is the full game right here, but they had the ball for 41 and a half minutes in the game. And first half of what Tennessee had, four four drives. I mean, yeah. first drive, Maurer wasn't great. Second drive, so one where he played pretty well, moved it down there. Um, and then, I mean, I don't see where you're going to take him take him out after yeah. that drive. He'd, he'd done well to drive before. They only got four drives, and one of them was – four or five plays with 45 seconds left before the half. I think that made it difficult to handle for Pruitt Saturday. and I'm sure there'll be plenty of people second-guessing him a lot more if Tennessee were to have lost that game on there at the goal line. Yeah, But it, that'll certainly be something fascinating going forward. By week Tennessee, 
what is there to this week and going into Missouri next week? Other than just is it just getting healthy? Is that the key for this team? Uh, just getting rested up. What are you looking for a team? To? I I think it's the biggest thing for sure, and I think you know Pruitt said that too. That that was their biggest focus. Well, he said academics, but you know the the biggest focus was <laughs> was getting guys healthy because they they are banged up. I mean, you look at these wins; they've been great, but they've come at a cost, particularly that South Carolina game. Yeah, I guess that's the game where uh, you know uh, Garantano played well and hurt his hand. You know, mm-hmm. he's been a, you know had that cast on ever since. So it's a good time for that to go into these next two games, which are very pivotal. Um, they got to be feeling pretty good about Vandy. But yeah. I think Missouri's definitely going to be a big challenge, as big as a challenge as Kentucky, maybe even more so. Um, although Kentucky beat Missouri, so you, you just never tell. I think getting healthy is the biggest thing. I think figuring out, and I think I read this yesterday about Pruitt um, saying at his, his Wednesday presser that um, focusing on maybe doing different things as well. And, I mean, that's something you could do. We talk about the quarterback situation. Figure out a way to, to throw two of them, maybe three. Because, I mean, that, that's worked. You know, it's, it's, been, it's been a very good system for them lately. It's, it's got them wins. And uh, so I think you focus on that. Focus on doing maybe things a little bit different to change things up based on, on Missouri. I read today that Missouri's, like, dead last the SEC in sacks or something. They don't go after the quarterback yeah. very much. So, you know, you're going to have to work around that as well. Maybe work on your run game a little bit more, uh, which is something that I know they need to do because passing's worked out for them lately. Uh, maybe they do need to establish a run game. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of bouncing back a little bit. I thought that was the biggest surprise of last Saturday's game, or maybe not surprise, t- surprise in Tennessee's game plan is Kentucky came in with a 13th-ranked rush defense in SEC, and Tennessee didn't really even try to run the ball. I no, mean, no. Obviously, Wanya Morris is banged up. Darnell Wright's not in the lineup. Maybe Jim Cheney didn't have a whole lot of confidence that they could get it done with some reserve guys in there on the offensive line. But, you know, I, I don't have the exact stats on me right now, but obviously Jared Garantano was Tennessee's leading rusher. Brian Maurer was third and not far behind Ty Chandler, I don't think. And I, it was, I believe, single-digit carries from Tennessee's tailbacks Saturday. But moving into this week in the bye, I think, you know, this is kind of mixing in with getting healthy. I'm, I'm kind of be interested to see what getting the secondary healthy. Bryce Thompson got knocked out of that game. It doesn't look to be anything serious, but he didn't come back. And then Jalen McCulloch, safety, he got pretty quick boot Saturday. Can they get him ready? Can they get him ready to go, prepared to face a heavy passing attack? Because this is really the first, besides, I mean, the Florida game, and I guess Alabama before Tagovailoa got hurt. Yeah. The first time they're going to be playing real pass first team this season. And yeah. I don't want to overlook Missouri's running backs. They've had a lot of success, success yeah, against yeah. Tennessee the past past few years. But I think that'll be a big thing to watch is if they can get McCulloch back with some confidence and then have Bryce Thompson ready to be going because Alante Taylor continues to play better. Sean Schamberger's playing really well in that nickel slot. You know, if you had told me he's playing this well. 13 months ago, I don't know if I'd believe you after how much he was really in Pruitt's doghouse for much of the first two months of the last last season. But it's going it's to be interesting to see I very well timed bye week. Now, yeah. if Tennessee wouldn't have got that goal line stand, we've been saying, man, they needed that bye week yeah. a week early. Yeah, maybe a long, long it, two weeks. It <laughs> would be a long two weeks, but good bye, good time for the bye week. A lot of guys, you know, I think they've had good injury luck. Not a ton of guys have been yeah, really compared not, to the last, the yeah. last few years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely, but 
still some guys that are banged up, not able to be 100%. I can't imagine a lot of those guys were even practicing this week. Um, yeah. And then be going, getting ready to go next week. I think, too, something to keep an eye on, because Missouri does play Saturday noon against Florida. I, I did see today that Kelly Bryant is expected to play in that game, but that's something to keep an eye on, too, as well. Because, yeah. I mean, depending on how that game goes for him, um, maybe he gets a hurt, maybe he you know, something tweaks something, you know. Maybe he plays like a Heisman Trophy candidate, which a lot of Missouri quarterbacks have been able to do against the likes of Tennessee and Florida <laughs> the last few years. So who knows? But that's something to keep an eye on for sure because I know he's been dealing with injuries all year, and that would be a big blow for them if he couldn't play against Tennessee. Yeah, definitely. He's. It's just, just, I think this is – we've talked about this for a while. It's uh, not to get – we'll talk more about Missouri specifics next week, but – What's the morale? What's the status of this team? Gonna, Missouri team going to be like next week? If you know they're only five point underdogs, home game against Florida definitely winnable. But yeah. one I wouldn't expect them to win. If they drop their fourth straight, they're fighting just to get six and six, seven and five. Might not even be able to make a bowl game. Exactly. And it, I I heard something earlier this week that was that that could be a factor for them. You know that they, they might know at this point they haven't heard anything, so then they might be. Well, what's the point of playing? Yeah, you know, what's what are we playing for if we can't get into a bowl game? You know, that could affect them. I'm not saying it does or will. I have no clue if it is. They might just not be very good and this I, year. And I'm sure this isn't Barry Odom's mindset, but if right. I'm a Missouri fan at this point, I I'm almost we'll take the we'll take the bowl loss. Well, we'll take the bowl can't play in a bowl game postseason. Take take a mulligan this should, season yeah, because right. they're I mean they're going to make a bowl game as long as they can at least take care of Arkansas. Which, oh yeah. As bad as Missouri's been the past month, I don't think they'll have any problems doing that at yeah. home. But, you know, it's certainly not a season where they have achieved what they wanted to achieve, and they had everything right out in front of them just, yeah. just a month ago. Pick, I mean, a huge pickup in the offseason at, at transfer quarterback, maybe yeah. the biggest, and it's just, you know, hasn't hasn't really worked out, panned out. I haven't watched a ton of Missouri football this year, you know, obviously because they play a lot of the time when Tennessee's uh-huh. playing or that 7.30 time slot. Yeah. They love that one. And they'll be in that with uh-huh. Tennessee. So, yeah, I can't. I don't know if it, how much of it's just Kelly Bryant or just how much of it is, you know, I have a hard time thinking their defense is too big of a problem because a lot of these games, they're, they're getting shut out. Yeah. But against Georgia, it wasn't like it was a huge blowout. It was a 29 nothing. Mm-hmm. Kentucky, 29 nothing. You know, very low-scoring kind of just rock fights, as uh-huh. we talked about last yeah. week, games like that that they just weren't able to get on the board in. Yeah, and you, I mean, you, you mentioned it with the shutouts. and. Missouri's quarterback situation after Kelly Bryant is very bleak. Yeah. They have not – it's it's not a good situation after him. Yeah. So, you know, I would – not to look too far in lines. I don't even know what, what the spread would be, I'd guess. Well, I'll give you a prediction. We'll see. Well, it takes expose me. I'd guess Missouri would open up as maybe a one, two-point favorite pick But if Kelly Bryant's not playing, I think that those points would swing three or four yeah. points quickly because they have not gotten good quarterback yeah. play when he has not been in there. And, I mean – that the following week, I mean, if you're if, if Kelly Bryant's out, the following week you face another team that's got a very very bad yeah. backup quarterback situation as well in Vanderbilt. So, could be a very one of those rare instances in the last decade plus where things really go Tennessee's way. Yeah, you know, they line up in their in their in their uh, favor in yeah, the last two definitely. weeks. So pivoting over to basketball now, Tuesday night Tennessee got to two and zero. They're in the, they had to sweat it out a little bit. Down nine at halftime. Uh, they were looking. They just watched. We just watched. I guess the team had watched Kentucky lose to Evansville. It was looking like the Vols might be next, but they rallied on the big second half to win eighty-two to sixty-three. 
Jordan Bowden, leading scorer, 26 points. 19 of those came in the second half where he matched uh, matched the racers' second half total as well, 19-19. Noah, what, what, what did you take away from Tuesday's game? That Jordan Bowden is just unreal. I, that Just the way he played in that second half, especially like halfway through there, was just – it was unreal. The way he was going down there, hitting shots, um, pulling away the way they did. Because it was. It was a very, very close contest. One that Tennessee was let, trailed by nine, like you said, to half. It felt like it could have been more. Yep. And, you know, the, Tevin Brown, I think his name was, mm-hmm. that, that guy was just really hitting it. And, again, it was kind of like early in the year. You know, I say early in the year. We're, what, two games in. But that uh, – Exhibition game. I know it was an exhibition game. Eastern New Mexico had a guy that, that, you know, had 10, 12 points in the first half, then was shut down in the second half. And Tennessee did that a little bit as yep. well, which helped against Murray State. Helped tremendously. But, uh, yeah, and it was a night where uh, Lamonte Turner didn't score until a free throw in the yep. second half. Fulkerson also struggled to score in the first half. But, man, they, they contributed in other ways. Uh, defensively, and then, and then Lamonte having 14 assists. Yep. And then the zero turnovers was huge because I know that Rick Barnes had talked a lot about, hey, we need these guys to not turn the ball over as much. Yeah. And, you know, they cleaned that up. And, uh, you know, just the, we expected Tennessee to get a lot. If they're going to win games, they're going to have to do a lot, get a lot out of Bowden and Turner, and they did that. And against a team that I think will make the tournament. Yeah. You know, it's a very good basketball team. So solid win, you know, and, and to come from behind the way they did when everything was working against them. Like the football team, you know, like yeah. it, it was it was a big win, a good resume building win, I think, this early on. Yeah, and I, I don't know if they necessarily need, would need this to get past Murray State every time, but early in the season, you know, while Josiah James is still kind of getting into a groove and some guys are still getting into a groove, I think that's what Tennessee's going to be a lot. Mm-hmm. Can Lamonte Turner or Jordan Bowden give you big nights? Because yeah. those are the guys that are really going to have to lean on, and both of them have the capability to score twenty plus at uh, any given night. You know, my biggest takeaway for me was Ease Ponds. You know, yeah, what a what a game from him. You know, Barnes had said after the first game in his press conference that he'd been their best three point shooter in yeah. practice and showed it. <laughs> yeah, he kind of listened to that, and yeah. I don't know if he's. I'm not. I didn't think they were lying or anything, but you Ponds is a guy that hadn't been able to ever really carry that over into the game. But boy, did he do it! Yeah, Tuesday night, three of four from three in the first half, really kept him in the game, and then 19 total points. He hit two with his foot on the line in the second half. Yeah. What would have been three. How spe- I mean, if he would have gone five for six, my goodness, what a, yeah. what world would we have been living in? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, what a, I mean, talking about, that's kind of been a conversation all offseason. Who can score for Tennessee outside of Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden? And I'm still skeptical because Pons is 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. I'm not sure he's 6'6", six, six, maybe 6'5". Six, Playing down low, how much can he really score but he looked a lot better, and he continues to look a lot better on the offensive end than he did last season. And if he can just come out and hit the open three, I think that would go a long way. I mean, you talked about the – it could have been worse at halftime. I mean, that's – Ponce at three threes, he's a guy that hadn't been doing that. Zach Kent came in because of foul trouble, hit a three. And then Josiah James, who's obviously a guard, but his shot hasn't been yeah. great so far. He, right. hit a, he hit a three, and it was – 
not the guys that you expected necessarily that, that were making such big contributions. And they needed it. I mean, they, that, that was a night where they really needed to have guys outside of Lamonte. I mean, and we know Bowden had the big second half, but like you said, Pons carried them in the first half. Yeah, and Bowden was sitting on the bench for most of yeah, the, most of the first half. Foul trouble. So yeah, I think he scored Tennessee's first five points, and he, he could have had a special game if he didn't yeah. get two quick fouls. Not just, I mean, they obviously had a great performance either way. You know, I'll, I'll, this is more of a, a thought, and I'll see if you have anything to build off of it or any comments to add. I think for right now, Tennessee's biggest question, one of the biggest questions, they just can't. They can't get foul trouble. John Fulgerson is a guy his whole career has, and I wish I would have pulled up the per 40 minutes, how many fouls a game he averages. He fouls a yeah. lot. And he, he just can't do that. He cannot do that, and Tennessee can't. Long term, have Jordan. I mean, it was fine for Tennessee Saturday for Tuesday night, excuse me. Yeah, but Lamonte Turner played, I believe, all 40 minutes. Yeah, that's just, I mean, that's not something you can right. expect him you to can't do. do it. Yeah, every week. He's Ponds, you know, he's playing the four part of this because of Fulkerson. I think he played 36, 37 minutes. You can't lean on guys when you get into the gauntlet of an SEC schedule that much. So they need those guys that they have, they I mean, they have to stay out of foul trouble, especially Fulkerson, you know, that forced that kid in there. And he, he was, I mean, he hit a three, but you saw. His limitations yeah. too on the defensive end, and I think he airballed three as well. Yeah. So he's just not a spectacular player. They're gonna. I think that's the biggest question right now, especially as they get these newcomers more comfortable playing more minutes. You know, get a, a Olivier Camois being able to play twenty five minutes opposed to 10, 15 minutes. I think that can change a little bit. But right now, and. That's 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 the biggest question I have for this team. Yeah, there was a point in that game when the you know the foul trouble was happening and, and guys like Fulkerson and Bowden were out. You looked at the lineup that was out on the floor, look guys like Zach yeah. Kent and stuff, and you, you kind of thought like this. I mean, you can get by with it tonight, maybe you know, and they almost didn't. But like you can get by with it tonight, but you're not going to be able to do that in that SEC schedule, or even you know they got Washington on Saturday, yeah. who's a ranked team now, number twenty in the country. Then you got Wisconsin and Memphis and Cincinnati, so you're not going to be able to, to do the, that this long. So I guess you know you got to find a way to, to limit the fouls, get your best players on the floor as much as possible, and, and don't you know wear guys out like Lamonte Turner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, pivoting into Washington a little bit, I think the big, you know, that it kind of goes right in what we were just talking about: two six nine, mm-hmm. top ten recruit forwards on, and Isaiah Stewart and, and McDaniel for. For Washington, big test for his pawns. You know, he's. I asked. I asked Barnes about it, and he didn't look at it as much from the pawns hasn't played any post perspective, and just talked about how good of a player Isaiah Stewart is. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be a big challenge. Can how well can pawns hold up against talented big men? And he's got he's got a big test Saturday. Yeah. He's a guy that could easily be a lottery pick. And you're away from uh, Thompson Bowling for yeah. the first time on a neutral site, yeah. which. We're not going to be able to watch, so unless you have yeah. ESPN Plus. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting, uh, you know, obviously Tennessee's not ranked right now. I think they're, what, 20? They're right outside. Yeah, yeah. right outside. Uh, in the, uh, this would get them in, for yeah. sure. Uh, receiving votes to have two top, you know, 30 basketball teams playing and not being on TV. And yeah. 2019, what a world we're in. But right. that's what happens when you schedule a game on a college football, uh, college football Saturday. That's true, yeah. I think another, you know, interesting thing I'd – just wrote the preview on Washington earlier today, looking at them. You know, it's just two games in, but similar to Tennessee, it doesn't play a lot of guys. Yeah. Just, I think they've just only played nine guys, only seven playing ten or more minutes a game, and the seventh guy is just playing straight up ten minutes. Yeah. So they're not going to 
you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a game where fouls are critical if either yeah. team can get the other in foul trouble, and you know maybe that plays to Washington's advantage just with the fact that they they run two three. You know, they got the former Syracuse coach in waiting under Bayheim's now there. They're, you know, I think they went last possession that game against Baylor. They went man, but two three zone almost all the time. And then I'll be interested to see how Tennessee attacks that. I Rick Barnes and Tennessee have been very good yeah. against zones when in the past few years they've really really put put defenses to shame when they've done that but they don't have not having Grant Williams in the high post changes yeah, that a lot because right. he's Grant Williams is about as good as a 15 foot to 18 foot player I've I've ever watched at the college level so it'll, it'll certainly be interesting Quade Green a fam, you know familiar name for SEC basketball yeah. fans a former Kentucky player has transferred to Washington he's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start but you know, he'll have some familiarity with Lamonte Turner and, and Jordan Bowden. Yeah. So it'll, it'll certainly be an interesting game. First big test for Tennessee. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how they handle how they handle yeah. such a such a big game, such a young team. I think, too, uh, I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited to see this early season test. And it's not, you know, that's nothing uncommon for college basketball. VCU and LSU played yeah. a great game last night. We're seeing games that, this has gone on for a long time, it's nothing new, but... You know, these are tournament-type games. The yeah. way Tennessee, Tennessee beating Murray State the way they did the the, uh, the other night was a tournament-style game. Was. And this game will be as well, in neutral site and everything. You're playing a really good Washington team. Um, very, very exciting time for them to, to kind of see what they have. And, and the, the league, the SEC, is really tough. I mean, yeah. you're Kentucky, I know they lost to Evansville, <laughs> but, you know, you got to think they're gonna, still going to be a very good yeah. basketball team, most likely. Um you know, we'll see what Florida does. You know, they've got a, a really talented roster. Lost to Florida State the other day. Um, I don't know if they were expecting to go one and one at this point, but um, Arkansas has played well so Arkansas far. Arkansas has played well, yeah, yeah. With, their, with their new head coach. Um, <clears throat> and then we get Tom Green with with Georgia this year. So it's it's going to be a very tough league, and it's really good to play these style of tournament games because, yeah. I mean, the SEC I feel like it's a little bit different. Um, you could play an SEC team in the NCAA tournament, of course. You know, we, we see that South a lot. Carolina, Florida. Exactly, and the Elite Eight a couple uh-huh. years ago. So you can see games like that. They're going to be later on. These types of games now, you know, are this type you're going to be playing in March. And and they're, and they're resume builders. You know, like Murray State, that, that was a good, solid win for Tennessee, I think. It's a very good Murray State team. And they've got a chance to do that against Washington. It doesn't make or break their season if they no. lose. But uh, it'd be interesting to see how they handle it. If they play well they, they, they and lose, they'd have to feel pretty good coming out of that game. Yeah, it'll, it'll certainly be interesting. 5 p.m. Eastern time Saturday from Toronto, Canada between Washington and, and Tennessee in the James Naismith Classic on ESPN+. Plus. Get your $5 membership. I think it's $5 a month membership. Uh, if, you're, if you're trying to watch, cancel after a month. And the new Disney Plus just came new out. New Disney so Plus, you can yeah. Get the, the bundle here with That's ESPN+, true. Plus, Hulu, and Disney Plus for so. $12.99. They'd not pay us to say that. But uh, they can. If they not a hashtag to. ad. Yeah. Not a hashtag ad. But, it, you know, we, we'll take it if you'd like to. Yeah, if they want us, I mean, Disney, feel free to cut the check. Yeah. The check or <laughs> chat, you know. We're, we're doing a lot for your brand over here. <laughs> That'll be it for this first segment of the Checkerboard Chat. We'll be back in segment two talking a little Lady Vols hoops with Ryan Cruz. Be back in a minute. Welcome in here to the second segment of Checkerboard Chat. I'm Ryan Shumpert, back for segment two, but joined this time by Ryan Cruz, one of our Lady Vols basketball beat writers at the Daily Beacon. 
And the Lady Vols are coming off a nice start to the season, a 3-0 start to the Kelly Harper era, and a big win Monday night at Notre Dame, getting a 74-63 win. Ryan, let's start there. Uh, how did Tennessee pull off the upset? Uh, well, frankly, it was just an out-physical game. Uh, neither side really had a lot of depth, uh, especially Tennessee uh, lost uh, Zay Green uh, even before the game. Uh, according to Coach, she's out for the season with an ACL injury. Uh, so that's a that will be a huge loss, and especially Zay provided a lot of uh, tempo and uh, distribution for the Lady Balls. Uh, and then on Notre Dame side, uh, they had five new starters. Uh, all five of their stars last year were drafted to the NBA, and this year uh, their starting lineup consists of three new freshmen and two transfers coming in. Uh, I mean, Tennessee dominated the, uh, the rebounds. Uh, right here, uh, offensive rebounds were pretty close with Tennessee winning 15 to 11. But on the defensive rebounding, it wasn't even close. Tennessee netted 40 compared to Notre Dame's 17. And it was really weird watching towards the end. There were some times where Notre Dame would shoot and they would have four of their five people outside the arc, like not even trying to get the rebound. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's definitely a Notre Dame, you talked about the five new, new starters. It's definitely a significantly smaller team than they've had in the past than they had last year when they made the national championship game. And, you know, Tennessee, you know, Tennessee's not the biggest team in the world, but they really used that to their advantage, dom like I said, dominating on the glass and really played a, a physical style that I think, you know, Kelly Harper wants to wants to implement here. And, you know, going into that, just third game, Kelly Harper's got a signature win in a season that I don't think there were some super high expectations. What does this mean? win mean to her and what does this win mean to the rest of the season? I mean, it's definitely, you know, confidence is a multiplier. And, you know, especially with a freshman team and a, you know, first-year head coach, it's it's one thing to say that we can do it. It's nothing to know and to have proof that, yes, we can do it. We can beat those top teams and have that confidence going into the SEC play. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's something you see all the time for rebuilding programs, trying to get over that hump, learning how to win. And certainly a, uh, a good first step here by, by Kelly Harper. Um, you know, they played three games so far, ETSU game, Central Arkansas game. You know, and one didn't look great against some inferior opponents. What what, what would you really pinpoint was the, was the main difference Monday night against Notre Dame? What what snapped in, in for this team? Uh, I mean, I think I think the first two games were kind of a wake-up call. Uh, you know, seeing – I think both those two teams came out inspired, uh, you know, wanting to make a name for themselves, kind of, you know, this is their one shot to play on a uh, against a big-time program like that. And I think that was a good wake-up call for Tennessee. And also, they kind of played some of that same wanting to mess up the big program mentality that yeah. you know Central Arkansas and UTSU had with them. Yeah, that's true. That's a, it, it definitely an interesting way to look at it. Um, so I guess the, I mean the big star tonight had to be Renaya Davis. Um, thirty-two points. Is that they're just thirty. Uh, thirty-three. Thirty-three. Okay, even more than I thought. Thirty-three points, ten rebounds, second double-double in her first three games. She earned SEC. Player of the Week honors. Just talk about her performance and and just how how big of a step she's made so far early this year. Yeah, it's definitely been big. Uh, she had a decent first game, uh, but last game she didn't score. Uh, she was held scoreless the entire first half and didn't score to about mid the third quarter and ended with about I think it was four or six points. Six, I think. Uh, yeah. So so to get this bounce back, it's really big, uh, especially the way that you know again Zay Green's out. Uh, she'll need to step up and. I think it'll be huge for volunteers to have that. Uh, and another thing, uh, Jordan Horston, the freshman from Columbus, uh, surprised a lot of people by her play last game. Uh, and I think she did a good job in this game showing that it wasn't a fluke and that she's here to stay. 
earning 12 points and seven rebounds and you know continue on that streak and keeping it going. You know, obviously, I don't think anyone expects Renee Davis to go out there and score 30 a night, but how much of her success Monday night would you credit to playing a smaller team? Obviously, she's a big player. How much was she able to really feast on, you know, shorter competition? How much of it do you think is really something she can build on going forward and kind of become a, a stability score for this team now that say Green's up? I, I would say the high number probably has something to do with the low, with the smaller team, but Again, the style she plays, I think it lends itself to, you know, strong shooting, uh, great distribution. So I, I think it's, you know, you're not going to score, you know, 30 against, you know, a similar sized team, uh, but it's going to still put up solid performances and act as a pull on the rest of the team to get to. We've talked about it a little bit, but, you know, you alluded to Zay Green, Tor ACL was the leading scorer in the first two games for Tennessee, or as a whole was the leading scorer. Besides Renia Davis scoring 30 points, how does Tennessee have to pick up the offense that, that she left now being out this season? I think the biggest thing is ja uh, Jasmine Massingill uh, is going to have to step up in that point guard position. Uh, I think uh, it's just going to be big for her and continue to grow in that uh, in that point guard position, that control of the offense. Uh, and, and then just, you know, everyone's got to step up a little bit. Uh, Lou Brown's played really well down the center, so that's helped a lot. Uh, but I think it's just everyone kind of picking up, doing their own little parts to – already a thin team before Green goes down. What what does that mean, I guess, for the Lady Vols depth? What, how many like, girls do they have playing on a, on a single night at this point, you think? Uh, it's probably going to shorten the roster a little bit. Uh, of course, you know, any time an injury. But uh, they, they seem to have, of the 12, I guess now 11 people, uh, they've got great depth, uh, even, uh, you know, someone like Jessica Rene, 5'8", uh, you know, I think she's scored three points so far this season, but has had high plus minus rates and has been very productive and overall generating to the team. And I think it's just gonna. I think they benefit from that depth and you know even even the lower, uh, less scoring ends you know still creating the uh, production for the team. Yeah, I think that's kind of an interesting uh, comparison between the men's team and the women's team right now. Um, I think the women's team may have a few. Neither of them have, you know excellent scholarship numbers of people that are healthy and playing right now. But I think, you know, part of that's because the men's team's a little younger, but the Lady Vols have more, they're lower and players that aren't scoring much are still playing at a little higher level right now than that of the men's team. But we'll have more on that in the first segment. You've probably already listened to it. But Ryan, thank you for joining us. A Thanks big a big win, 74-63 for the Lady Vols up in South Bend, Indiana, Monday night. We'll have complete coverage of the Lady Vols going on the rest of this week. And we will have more going forward as they continue a very tough out-of-conference slate. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Checkerboard Chat. Joined by Noah Taylor and Ryan Cruz, I'm Ryan Schumbert. Have a great rest of your day.